is Pastor Zeno. We're here at Pleasant Grove Assembly of God Church. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Philippians chapter number one. We're in a series of sermons from the book of Philippians. We love to preach and teach through books here because that helps us to become well-rounded in our faith. If we just jump from topic to topic, after a while we wind up spending a lot of years in church but neglecting a whole lot of what God wants us to know and understand and receive from Him. So we like to go through books, and we're in the book of Philippians. And if you would turn with me, Philippians 1, and we're going to start looking at verse number 12, at verse number 12. And if we use the title, we'll call it Tools in the Master's Hand. Tools in the Master's Hand. And this will be a two-part message, and so we'll cover part of it this morning and try, Lord willing, to get the rest next week. And our theme is how God uses unusual, unconventional instruments and circumstances to develop us and to advance His work. If you would, Philippians 1 and verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy, rivalry, but others do out of goodwill. The latter do in love, knowing that I'm put here because of the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father, we thank you for the reading of the Holy Scripture. Lord, help us to be courageous to the very end. Faithful to the call. Totally committed to the cause of Christ. Unashamed and bold in our living till we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Tools in the Master's hand. Again, how God uses unusual and unconventional instruments, circumstances, to do His will, to do His work in us, to advance His work. Now, Paul, as you know, the Apostle Paul is in prison. He's in prison in Rome. As a preacher, Paul had a great desire to preach the gospel in Rome. He knew if he could touch Rome, the center of the great empire, by touching Rome and making really an impact in Rome, literally millions would be affected. So Paul had this great desire to preach the gospel into Rome, and he got to Rome. But not as a preacher, he got there as a prisoner. God's ways are different than ours, aren't they? He was falsely accused, he was illegally arrested, but he got there. And for many, what would look like a colossal failure, Paul saw as an advance in a furthering, in a pioneering advance of the gospel. Take a look at verse 12. You'll see what I mean. Verse 12, Paul begins, Now I want you to know, he's in prison writing to them. He goes, I want you to know 
that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Advance the gospel. Now that word advance is in NIV. The King James would say furtherance. Bring it further. The New American Standard would speak of the progress of the gospel. Now this term is used in the Greek language and it would speak of the military troops that would go first. The, the pioneers of sorts. Those that would lead the way for the rest. Those that would open up unnavigated and unexplored terrain. They would break through barriers. They would clear paths. They would cross the rivers and build the bridges and take new ground, secure that ground. They would clear the way for others to follow. And you know, some of you today, you're spiritual pioneers. God's using your life and God's using your circumstances to take the gospel into new places, to touch new people, and others are following you. Others are being touched that otherwise wouldn't have heard the gospel. Others, you're a pioneer, but you're the first one saved in your family. And you didn't have it as easy as someone whose family has been saved back to Methuselah. I mean, you, you've had a pioneer. You've had to go through things with little support. You've had to make decisions that nobody was there to show you the way. But, but listen, keep marching for Jesus because it's worth it all. And those behind you, your children and your grandchildren, they're following the path that you have forged. You're a spiritual pioneer. And it's not always easy, but it's never easy on those that go first. And you're going first and God is using you to keep marching and keep believing because those that come behind you will call you blessed in the name of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul, he had the right attitude towards his trouble. Again, he's in prison for preaching the gospel, for obeying the Lord, not for doing something wrong. He was lied about. He was falsely accused. And he's in prison. What a, I mean, many people would have had a terrible attitude. Many people would have blamed everyone and their mother. But Paul's attitude, and remember, attitude often affects our altitude. Now, his explanation of what happened and how God was using it has become a great source of encouragement for the church. And it should be a great source of encouragement for you and I. We'll see that through all this, Paul grew. The gospel was advanced. And the most important thing, Jesus was glorified. In all of our troubles, in all of our circumstances, all that Jesus would be glorified in and through our lives. Can you say amen? You see, in spite of circumstances, the attacks, the injustice, the unfairness, the imprisonment, feeling constrained, feeling contained, the great apostle left you and I a great example on how to respond to such trials so that through even our chains and our critics and our crisis, Jesus would be glorified and the gospel would be advanced. Now, our outline for these next two weeks is simply this. Number one. Roman number one, Paul's chains. Paul's chains. Those are verses 12 through 14. He had literal chains. And we're going to talk about our chains of circumstance and background and, and weakness, etc. Now, secondly, next week, Roman numeral two, Paul's critics. Paul's critics. Verses 15 through 20. And then lastly, Roman numeral three, Paul's crisis. What an inspiring response to live as Christ to die is gain. Oh Lord, just make sure that I don't get embarrassed or ashamed in the journey, but I stay courageous to the very end. Paul's crisis, verse 20 through 26. Now, we're going to look at these verses in a couple of weeks, and we're going to see in this group of verses, because of Paul's chains, Christ was known. Because of Paul's critics, 
Christ was preached. And because of Paul's crisis, Jesus was magnified, Jesus was exalted, and Jesus was lifted up. Isn't that a wonderful prayer for us all to pray? Lord, even in the midst of my hardest times, be glorified in me and through me. All right, now we've got to remember this. God, the God we serve, He uses unusual unlikely, unconventional tools to bring Him glory, to advance His kingdom, and to work in the lives of His people. I mean, His ways and His thoughts, they're they're higher than ours. Amen? We can all say amen to that. The ways of God, His ways are higher than ours. Just think of Moses' rod. Think of Gideon's pitcher. Think of David's sling. How about Joshua's shout? Jehoshaphat just had a praise and a little boy had a little lunch and a widow had a little bit of meal. I mean, certainly unlikely and unusual things to use to shake the earth and to bring victory and produce miracles. Not impressive at all. But with such things, walls crumbled and seas divided and giants toppled and multitudes were fed and enemies were dispersed and miracles of provision took place. And in the same way somebody to hear me. In the same way, God will use our circumstances and our situations to glorify His name and to advance His cause as we commit. Here's the key. As we commit and yield them to the Lord. That's what Paul did. You see, one of the secrets of Paul's life is this. He did not complain about his chains. Instead, he consecrated his chains. And ask God to use them, and God did, and God will. Can somebody say amen? God will use those circumstances. Give them to God and watch what He can do. Paul's chains. Roman numeral 1, all we can cover this morning. Verses 12 through 14. Paul's in chains for the cause of Christ. Yet Paul writes about three ways that God is actually using His chains to advance the Gospel. I mean, we're going to see that things that one would think would be a, a, a hindrance became a tool of furtherance. One that would think something of a disqualification actually became an inspiration because Paul gave them to God. Because of Paul's chains, number one, note takers, verse 12, we're going to see his circumstances promoted the progress of the gospel. Your circumstances can promote the progress of the gospel. Then verse 13, we're going to see that his trial, his circumstances, provided opportunity for strategic witness. Paul is going to be able to witness to some of the most elite soldiers Caesar had and his entire army because of what God allowed to happen in his life. And then verse 14, his circumstances not only promoted the progress of the gospel, not only provided opportunity for the witness of the gospel, but his circumstances produced courage. In the faith of those believers that were watching Him and observing Him, somebody's watching the way we live. Let's live in a way where others will receive strength from our faith and our devotion to Christ. Now, Paul's chains. You know, the enemy will try to use our chains to discourage us, to disqualify us, um, to embitter us, to belittle us, to intimidate us. But the Lord says, give me your chains. Whether they be a circumstance or whether they be a handicap, whether they be a heritage or a past catastrophe, a present calamity, then watch as your chains become my tools and your handicap becomes my instrument 
And the enemy will try to use certain things to shame us and suppress us and to silence us. But the Lord, He so often uses the most unlikely things to do His bidding and to bring Him glory if we'll let Him. Now, there's different types of chains, and I want to talk about that this morning. There are chains that we can call, let's call them, they're just part of our story. We can call this inherited chains. Chains that are just part of our story. I mean, I'm talking about things you can't do anything about. I mean, we have little or no control over certain things. You can't choose your parents, can you? You can't choose the color of your skin. You cannot choose what side of the tracks you were birthed and you were raised. Certain things, they're, they're, they're changed. They're circumstances. They're part of our life that we inherited and we can't do anything about them but give them to God and say, God, use them for your glory. If anyone can use them, God can use them. Let them use them. I'm talking about your testimony. You, again, your parents, your side of the tracks, your IQ, your education, or your lack of education. The mistake you made 20 years ago or that experience you had to go through 20 years ago regardless of what see the devil will try to um, tell people and make people think God can't use you but the devil he's a liar I want you the devil is a liar God will use you if you let him God will use you if you let him he's just asking you would you let God use you would you step up and give Jesus a hand clap would you declare that you believe in the Lord and not be ashamed of the gospel wherever you've come from and wherever life is taking you just make Make up your mind, Jesus, I'm going to be bold in my witness. I'm going to be sincere in my walk. And I'm going to give myself to you that you can use me any way, anywhere you want. Somebody say amen in God's house. I want someone to know that God can do much with every life if we'll just give Him that life and just offer our best to God. So let's not complain, but let's consecrate and allow God to turn our chains into His tools. And He can do mighty things in us and through us. For example, listen, come with me. Come. Some can go into the world of the addicted or the rejected, the abandoned, the abused, the impoverished, and tell them that there's hope and healing. There's your living proof. There's hope and there's deliverance. Your living proof. There's hope and there's acceptance in Jesus Christ. Your living proof because you've been there and you've experienced that and life has taken you through that. You've done that. But then you met Jesus and He is a difference maker. Can you say amen? Then you met Jesus and He is a difference maker. He's just not a heart healer. He's not just a way maker. He's a life transformer and He transformed me and He'll transform you. He'll heal you where others can't heal you. He'll give you hope where others have given up on you. Jesus, wonderful Jesus. I'm talking about as the Lord opens doors, child of God. As God orchestrates events, you can become a surgical, strategic instrument that God uses to tell the story of His grace and His goodness and His mercy to reach unique places, to reach unique peoples, to reach unique pains that those others are suffering with. And you can can testify about a healer, the one that can heal hurts that no one else can even see, the one that fills lives with meaning and purpose and forgiveness, the one who will take care of you, the one who will care and take good care of you, the one that walks in when others walk out. His name is Jesus and He's wonderful and He loves you. And if you call on Him, He'll answer you right now. If you'll cry out to Him, He'll He'll say yes, and He'll touch you right now. If you'll just pour out your heart, He'll come into your life, and He'll begin a glorious, eternal work. Oh, God, help us.
See, these are things, these are chains, these are things that the enemy would use to disqualify. Who, you? You shouldn't, oh, you hush up, you don't let anyone know that. Be quiet, look at you, no, no, God can't use you, you're going to be a third class citizen, but you're not 25th generation in the church. No, oh, the devil, I'm saying the devil is a liar. God wants to loose some testimonies in the house. God wants to loose some of His people to declare the goodness of God and not be ashamed about what God done in your life. But as He gives you the open door, as He creates that opportunity to be bold and declare, this is what I was, but I'm not that anymore because Jesus came in and Jesus did for me what nobody else could. I'm talking about giving God the chains of our lives. The things the enemy would use to disqualify God will use to glorify. Hallelujah. How many, how many of us know men and women Maybe with a physical handicap. Maybe with a a shameful past. And they could have let it embitter them. They could have let it just damage them forever. But instead, instead, they gave it to God. And God used that very thing to do mighty things in them and through them and to open doors. Oh, friend. Inherited chains. Things that are part of our story. Listen, what can't be changed is over. Somebody say, it's over. Man, it's over. It's over. Bury it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's over. It is over. It is over. What can't be changed is over. What's under the blood is forgiven. Hallelujah. It's forgiven. It's gone. It's gone. The precious blood of Jesus washes whiter than snow. But listen, listen. What's left, what's left is your option, is your opportunity to give to God. And ask him to use it any way, any time he wants. I read the other day a story about perspective. And it simply said, sheep get lost by nibbling away at the grass and never looking up. The same can be said of us. We can focus so much on what is immediately before us that we fail to see life in the larger perspective. You see, chains can cause us to become so self-conscious, so self-consumed, so turning inwardly that we fail to see God. We fail to see the harvest around us. We fail to see the bigger picture. We fail to see the divine purpose. We fail to see the opportunity that's all around us that God would love to use us as His tool and of His instrument. Number one, we're talking about inherited chains. Chains, inherited chains. But number two... All right, disciples, ready, disciples? All right, all you disciples out there, get ready to go a step deeper. These are called God-imposed chains. Inherited chains, imposed chains, God-imposed chains. These are chains, we'll put it like this, placed by, or how about this? Some people like this better. Allowed by God to prepare us and to position us. We can talk about living with divine limitations. Living with with divine limitations, boundaries, borders that God places around us for a season to do His work and to navigate and direct our lives. We can think of Joseph, how God put some divine limitations on him. I mean, one translation, the Bible says his brothers told him. You read another part, it says God sent him. Amen. It was God behind the scenes putting him in that place to work on him till iron came into his soul. And then just when he needed to be in the place he was destined to be, he was there. 
He was there and he was ready to do what God called him. All because of God imposed chains that placed him and positioned him and prepared him to promote him. There was David. How many times, David, he wrote one time, he goes, God, I'm in a tight place, enlarge in me. He goes, I'm in a tight place with men surrounding me and men hounding me. God, make me bigger. Enlarge in me on the inside so I can dwell in the place you put me and still be more than a conqueror. We, we think of Gideon. Gideon, oh, was anyone ever stripped down like Gideon? Amen. Just when you think God's with you and things are going well, God starts stripping this away and stripping that away. And you begin to wonder what's going on around here. These are called divine limitations. I feel constrained. I feel contained. But it's God that's allowing it to happen. Oh, my. Now, listen, these chains will not fulfill their intended purpose or their mission unless we consecrate them to God. There have to be more than just enduring these chains. There has to be a proper response to these chains. Special seasons where God teaches us to trust, where He prunes us, that He might prepare us, that He might promote us. Let me say that again. Chains and borders and boundaries and places that God puts us, that He might work in us, that He might prune us, that He might prepare us, that in due time He might promote us and He might use us. Chains are circumstances that God places and God allows to work in our lives. God purposely puts us in situations to test us and try us, to stretch us, to strip us of self-support. And, and, and there's things that God does to prepare us and position us for greater and more strategic service in His kingdom. We're talking about when He tests that character and He tests that obedience. He tests that endurance. Think about David again. I mean, David, oh, he was a man after God's own heart. He loved to shout and praise and hop up and down. And God says, well, you're good at praising me in the cathedral. Let's see if you'll praise me in a cave. Amen. You love to praise me and shout when everyone's singing your praises. But how about when King Saul's throwing spears at you and they're lying about you. And now you're a wanted man because you love me so much. And God says, there's some chains I'll put on you, David. Because you're called and you're anointed, but you're not yet ready to do what I've called you to do. So I'm going to have to place you somewhere for a season to prune you and prepare you and mature you so that when the time is right, I can promote you and I can use you in the fullness of my desire. We think about David, and of course, we can't help but think about Joseph. Again, Joseph, he was beloved of his father, but then he's betrayed of his brothers. God said, oh, we're going to get some testing done here, Joseph. I did give you that dream. And I do have a great um, plan for your life. But right now, you couldn't handle the plan if it came on a silver platter. So I'm going to have to allow some things to happen. And I'm going to have to orchestrate some events to work things in you that will never get worked by staying home with Daddy and being spoiled. you got to get to some places where I can deal with you. And you can go through some unfairness and some forgetfulness and some unkindness. But through it all, if you respond to my change properly, when the time comes, Joseph, the right person will remember you. You'll be in the place you were called to be to do what you were called to do. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about chains. God imposed chains. He puts divine limitations on us. He puts us in a place to prune us and prepare us that in the right time He might promote us and He might use us. I'm talking about good old Gideon again. Oh man, Gideon. Finally, when God talks some sense into him and he starts believing, now God 
God says, goody, now I'm going to strip you and sift you. And instead of giving you a bazooka, I'm going to give you a crack pot and a torch. Go glory be to God. And you only got a fraction of the man, but I'm going to give you the victory. Gideon, are you still that mighty man of valor now? Amen. You know, it's amazing when things are good. I'm just God's man. But when things aren't doing so good, you're wondering if there's God, God anywhere. Lord, help me. Have mercy. Did you forget my name? But God says, I will put chains of preparation and divine limitation upon your life. Think of Daniel. Oh, what a man of God. Just as a child torn away from home and brought into that heathen, foreign land of idolatry and immorality and philosophy. But through it all, he never wavered. Through it all, he never went back on his consecration. And when God needed a man to lead the nations, Daniel was there. When God needed a man to interpret dreams, Daniel, he was ready. Why? Because he withstood. God imposed chains. He allowed the working and dealings of God to make him into the man he was chosen to be. They're challenging. These ways of God can be challenging. These ways of God are challenging, but God uses them to forge His vessel, to prepare His servant, and to place them, and to use them, and to ready them. And the challenge of divine limitation so often is just faithfully enduring the process, winning the weight. Winning the weight. But when we do, we see how God works all things. We see how God ordains things and God uses things. And to say the least of things, God does things that are surprising and unexpected and uncomfortable. But in the end, but in the end, we look at all these men and women of God in the Bible. And we go to Moses and we go to Abraham. We go through the apostles. But we see that those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, they are exalted. In due season. Listen, He'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you. Galatians 6 and 9. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary as you follow the will of God. Don't grow weary as you're on that potter's wheel and God's working your eye. Don't run. Do what God's called you to do. Sit where God's called you to sit. And allow the will of God and allow the working of the Spirit to mature you and to prune you and to teach you and to stretch you. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the right time, Galatians 6 and 9, for in due season you shall reap a heart If you don't give up, somebody, don't give up. God hasn't forgotten the promise. Don't give up. God has not forgotten where you are. Don't give up. The Word of the Lord is working in your life and God is watching over His Word to perform it. Don't give up. Instead, stay where God has put you and seek Him and serve Him and give Him your chains and give Him your best. And when He says it's time, doors will fly open. Do anointing will come upon you and you'll be ready to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. You'll be ready to do and to go and to be the one God's called you to be. But you gave your chains to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help the school of the Spirit, folks. You know, that school never ends. Amen? I mean, some people like it. You know, I'm done with school. I'm never going to read another book. Don't work that way with God. Amen. You, you can you can be happy if you want. Woohoo! Got my high school diploma. I'm not going to go no more school. Oh, you, 
It's on you, brother. <laughs> but anyway, I won't go down that road. Another sermon for another day. But, but some people, I don't want to learn no more. Well, it shows. Amen. Um, hallelujah. But I'm talking about things in the Spirit now. You never stop learning in the things of the Spirit. That school never ends. Just when you think you've graduated from the school of experience, along comes a whole new course. <laughs> We've never been this way before. Just when everything was comfortable and we understood how it worked and we had it just so down pat where we liked it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We've never been this way before. And the schooling of the Spirit, it never ends. It never ends. And especially if you want God to use you. You see, God, God would love to use everyone, but many people don't allow God to use them or they limit how God can use them. But if you really want God to use you, then the rest of your days, He's going to teach you. He's going to stretch you. It never ends. It'll never halt till you see Him face to face. But man, it's worth it to give your all to the Lord. It is worth it to give your all to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Paul's chains. He didn't complain about them. He consecrated them and God used them in spectacular ways. Number one, inherited chains. That's your story. That's your story. Just offer it all to God. Amen? Offer it all to God. Offer it all to God. Number two, God imposed chains. Divine limitations where God's preparing and God's positioning so God can promote and God can produce in us and through us his desire. Number three, not only do we have inherited chains, not only do we have imposed chains, we've got inflicted chains. This is what Paul's dealing with. Uh, put on by men. <laughs> an unsympathetic society that we live in. Uh, an ungodly culture that we live in. Unkind people that we live around. Um, a fallen world that we're stuck in. And in the lives of lesser men, let's be honest, in the lives of lesser men, Paul's chains and Paul's circumstances would be a reason to quit. It's a reason to stop. I give up after all that I've done and God's treating me this way. Can, can you imagine this modern era? Oh, my Lord, have mercy. They backslide over lesser things. I mean, they lose their soul. I mean, uh, over, over, oh, Lord, let's not go down that road. But I'm just saying, folks. But now Paul, Paul's thrown in prison. Paul's chained to a Roman soldier two straight years. For doing what? Preaching the gospel. And then he's lied about. And he set up all folks. Wow. But what his enemies thought would silence him actually opened up more doors for him. Put him in a more effective field of service. Isn't that wonderful? See, what the enemy meant for evil, God in his grace turned it and worked it for his good. And I want you to know God still does that. God is still able to turn things around. God is still able to let direction change suddenly and drastically with just a word that He speaks. And we look at this, and I want you to remember that your life is strategic. Your life is not accidental life. Your life is a strategic life. It's God's a strategic God. You are made in His image, made after His likeness, made with a divine purpose, redeemed by the precious blood of His only begotten Son, and created to do good works in His life. So again, your life is strategic. Your life is a series of divine appointments, not accidents. And sometimes God allows 
things to position us or to accomplish something in us, through us, to reach a certain place or people that we would not normally go to. But you need to say, look for it. Look for it. Look for the opportunity in the midst of your adversity. Look for the opportunity in the midst of your circumstance. Jesus said, John 4 and 35. John 4 and 35. Jesus, lift up your eyes. Disciples, lift up your eyes. And look, look, see. The fields are wide unto harvest. The opportunity to touch lives and to make a difference in your world. It's all around you. So don't get sucked into looking and giving yourself a pity party or being so down with the devil's lies. But look up and see and say, God, here I am. Where do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And God says, that's just what I've been waiting for. Now I can use you. Now I can flow through you. Now you can become a mighty instrument in the hand of your God. We're talking about instruments in the Master's hand. And all it takes is a yielded vessel. All it takes is a man or woman that says, Jesus, I'm going to give you my best. I'm not doing this thing halfway. I'm yours, all of me. Past, present, future. Take me, use me, and let my life bring you glory. Hallelujah. You see, Paul's a prisoner, but it doesn't end his missionary service. It actually expands it. His bonds hold him back. They destroyed barriers. They gave him access he never would have had otherwise. They, They didn't shut doors. Man, they opened doors. Only God can do that. Only God works like that. Paul's chains had removed barriers, given him access to the elite of the Roman army, and all while were encouraging the brothers in Rome that were watching him and being encouraged by how Paul stood and how Paul was courageous. Oh, that's amazing. Hallelujah. It's good to know that God can turn it around and God can use it for His glory. I know it's hard to see that in the natural sometimes. It's hard to feel that in the emotional but, but even sometimes we don't see it all on this side of eternity. But by faith, we trust. In faith, we believe. In faith, we obey. A lesson for all of us. When I face circumstances, when I face adversity, which are part of life, may I respond with the prayer, Lord, help me to grow through this. Lord, help me to glorify You in this. Lord, help me. Help me to grow through this. I don't want to get better. I want to get better. I don't want to reverse. I want to go forward in You, Lord. And if this is Your tool, if this is the Nautilus equipment that You're going to use to develop that in my life, do it, Lord. But Lord, even more than that, help me to glorify You in this. Help me to be a good example, a light salt in this. Because of Paul's response, three things resulted very quickly. Note takers, take them down. Because Paul responded properly to his chains. Again, it's not just going through things, it's responding properly as we go through things. A lot of people have gone through things and it's actually hindered them and it's hurt them because they didn't respond properly. They allowed the enemy's lies to get hold. But listen, Paul's response to his chains, verse 12, they promoted, we said this, they promoted the progress of the Gospel. I mean, his circumstances had not been a detriment, but an advantage of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the important thing here is that Paul is not going to focus on the discomfort and the disappointment. Instead, he's going to focus on what God is doing 
through it all. It's important to watch your focus when you're going through things. Again, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the God. What happened? You were lied about. You were falsely accused. You were beaten. You were blasphemed. And you were thrown in prison. And you might lose your life. Why? Because you preached the gospel and people lied about you. Paul, that's terrible. Amen? But Paul says, you know what? I'm thrown in prison, but it's actually God's using it to get the gospel out more than ever before. Isn't that wonderful? And we have to try our best to look beyond the present discomfort and disappointment and see what God is doing through it all. Number, number two here, verse 13. Because Paul responded properly, it provided opportunity for witnessing to both the elite guard of Caesar and also the court of Caesar. Now, Paul, for, for two years, is under house arrest. But under house arrest, he is literally chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Now, if they had their typical shifts, three, three, three days, right? Three hour, eight, eight, eight. All right? That means every day, three different Roman... And these soldiers were, were Caesar's elite guards. They were his bodyguards. If you were going to go before Caesar, like Paul had appealed to Caesar, he was a Roman citizen. So, you were guarded by the elite, by Caesar's own bodyguards, all right? So, three soldiers a day, every day. For two years. And, as Paul, and now Paul's house arrest. He's not in the dungeon. House arrest. And he was allowed that people come in and out. So he's teaching and he's preaching. The most elite of Caesar's legionnaires were hearing the gospel for two years straight. Amen? And then every time Paul went to a hearing, remember, this hearing had to do with Christianity. Was it a cult? Was it a dangerous new religion? Was it just a sect of Judaism? So Paul had to go before those that were Caesar's court, the, the key people in the nation, leading the nation. And what do you have to do? Explain this new faith. They, that was what the court hearing was about. Explain this faith. So he, every time he was called in, he was called in to witness and tell them about Jesus and tell them what the gospel was all about. And Paul's saying, you know what? These chains, I mean, they were opening doors for witnessing that I couldn't have opened myself in a million years. These elite soldiers wouldn't give some Jewish um, 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 tent maker the time of day. But here they've got to listen to me all day and all night. And I could never have got a hearing with the elite lawyers and legal minds of the Roman Empire. But here God put me in a place where I, I have to, they want me to tell them what we believe. So number one, it promoted the progress. Number two, it provided opportunity. And this is what God will do in your life as you give me your chains. It'll advance the gospel. It'll give you opportunities to talk to people and to witness in places to people you couldn't have done. And lastly, verse 14, it produced courage in fellow believers. Paul says in verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Isn't that interesting? Paul's attitude inspired other believers. You know, friends, somebody's watching us. I don't care if you're in Walmart, if you're on the job, if you're mowing the lawn. Somebody's watching us. Somebody's looking at us. Amen? And, and we pray, Lord, help us to be good examples. Lord, whether it's our children or our co-workers, Lord, help us to be good examples. Help us, Lord, to live in a way that will encourage and motivate the faith of other people when they see how we live. That they'll be inspired. Their faith will be encouraged. Hallelujah. Tools in the Master's hand. Roman number one, Paul's chains. 
Next week, we're going to look at Paul's critics and then Paul's crisis and how he responded to these things and how God worked through these things. But this morning, let's give our chains to God. You ready? Let's give our chains to God. Let's make a fresh altar of consecration. I don't care if you've been saved a hundred years. Make a fresh altar of consecration. If you're not in glory yet, God wants to use you. He'll use you to witness to the hospice worker that's coming in. God wants to use you. But you've got to give Him your chains. You've got to give Him your circumstances. You've got to give Him your life and surrender it completely to Him. Lord, use our lives as Your instruments. We're praying, God, use us to advance Your cause. Amen? Use us to glorify Your name. Oh, God, I give You my present circumstances. I give You my past life. I give all of myself to You, my heritage, my handicaps. Use my life, oh God. Use my story to help others. And help me to see beyond me, Lord. Help me to see beyond me. Now I'm going to pray in just a minute. Now listen, if you don't know Jesus, you can ask Him in right now. Or if you drifted away and you know who you are, you're living in sin, stop it. You can sing all the songs you want. But you're living in sin, you're not going to make it in. You need to get right with God. I don't care if you know more Bible than I do. If you're not living right, you're not entering in. So it's time to get that relationship straight. It's time to get it straight in the name of the Lord and then start serving God. And don't be a phony about this thing anymore in the name of Jesus. Now, if you don't know the Lord, this is the greatest day of your life. But you can come and ask Jesus into your heart. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll make you a child of God. You can do that just right now, right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me for the life I've lived. I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I promise I'm going to serve you the rest of my days as you help me to. And he'll fill you and he'll touch you right there. You're here and you're listening. You're not where you need to be. It's time to make things right with God. It's time to get serious about walking with God. And now the rest of us, God wants to touch lives today. And God can touch you right where you're at just as easy as he could if you were at this altar and somebody was pouring oil on your head. Lord, I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask you, present your need to God. You have a need this morning. It might be physical. It might be financial. It might be a family situation. It might be a need for wisdom. Whatever your need is, I want you right now to present it to God and ask Jesus to meet that need and touch you in that point of that need. You ready? I'm going to begin to pray. If you need to make things right, you begin to call on God right now. Begin to ask Jesus to forgive you. Begin to make your faith declaration and give your life to Christ right now, right now. If God's convicting you, don't push it off. Repent from it. Turn from it. Get things right with God. But if you're here and things are right and you have a need, God wants to touch you. Give it to God. We pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, please use our lives as strategic instruments in your hand. Father, help us to live with an alertness to the harvest and the opportunities all around us. Oh God, we give you our chains. Use our lives for your glory, oh God. And help us to see the opportunity all around us to make a difference in this world. And now, Father, I pray for those who are coming to you. Lord, for those right now that are repenting, those right now that are asking you into their life. Oh Lord, make it real, make it real, make it real. Lord Jesus, touch them. Lord Jesus, fill them. Lord Jesus, show Yourself to them. And now, God, I pray for those that need a touch. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch Your people right where they're at. You know every need. Heal those that need healing. 
And fill those that are hungry and thirsty and want more of you. Fill them, fill them, fill them, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, set people free from things that are holding them back and squeezing them. Let that thing break in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for wisdom for those that have to make decisions. And right now I pray again, they're thirsty, weary souls. Father, let Your Spirit begin to fall right in the living room. Let the Holy Spirit, let the rain of the Spirit begin to fall. Showers of refreshing, showers of refreshing, showers of cleansing and refreshing. Receive the touch of God in Jesus' name. By faith, we declare it's done. And we give God praise and we give God glory. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord. We will serve You. We will trust You. We will believe You. And we will give our all to You. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Keep believing. God's going to keep touching you. Keep pressing in. God's going to move in that living room. Press in. Send everyone else out. And you press in and let God work in your life. He began something. Don't stop it now. That trickle wants to begin getting a bigger crick. It's going to be like a river. It's deeper and deeper. The river wants to flow. It's just a little thing right now. If you need to get away from the rest, go in your room right now. It's a little trickle. But the Lord wants to fill you. The Lord wants to do a fresh, a deep, thorough work in your life. Respond to the wooing. Respond to the call. Respond to the prodding of the Spirit. Respond, respond, and let God work that full work in your life. In Jesus' name. Oh, glory be to God. I'm so glad you tuned in. I'm so glad that you tuned in. Let's continue to believe God together and pray together. Don't forget on Tuesdays, every Tuesday from 9 to 10, we pray together. Find your place in your home and cry out to God. I'll be here in the sanctuary, walking the aisles, crying out for you. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our country and our community. Let's believe God for great things now in the name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you. See you on Wednesday.